This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the podcast that firmly believes hand jobs that come from girls who speak sign language count as blowjobs. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn. Yvette is still on medical leave, so I have my beautiful guest host, Natalia Reagan. Natalia, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me yet again. It's, it's always a pleasure, especially with you, Alice. How do you feel about uh, sign language blowjobs? You know, I'm very proficient in uh, American Sign Language, only in blowjobs, though, unfortunately. That's all I know. And then the, the, the I love you sign. And then also the shocker. The shocker is also a popular. That's that's part of sign language, correct? No? Yes? Did no, Coco no. de Gorilla know that one? I don't think so. I don't think she was uh, aware. I do a whole bit in my act where I teach the audience how to curse in American Sign Language because I get a government grant if it's educational. So I do a oh. whole... Yeah. I, and they have <laughs> all the curse words. Like... I'm always like when deaf kids curse, like they get their hands washed out with, so I don't know what they do, but what matters is all of the curse words are there and they're even more colorful in ASL. I wish this was a visual show because I feel like we could be learning so much more, especially when they come up with new words. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ooh, how does that, mm. How does Netflix and chill translate to ASL? There would just be a lot of this or that's more fisting, but you know, next, ne- yeah, right. that's not so chill. Honestly, that's a little bit, uh, it's taking it four steps too forward. For those listening, which is everyone, Natalia just did a hand gesture implying fisting. Yes. For the podcast. That's actually, when I used to play Jeopardy, that's how I would remember answers. For some reason I would, I'd always blank out, but as soon as I would make that fisting motion, it would come to me. Ah. I don't, I'm not a fan. don't know why, but it just some sort of like visceral response. It's good to know what works. Alex Trebek, if you have any thoughts, please share them with us. Audience, if you have any thoughts about using fisting to remember stuff, if you're not the only one, let us know. At least we know what works for Natalia. <laughs> I'm fun at trivia night. Let me just oh, tell yeah. you, I get a lot oh, of strange looks I can't from wait for your recovered memory. <laughs> yeah. Considering I'm on a league, uh, you are now officially invited. Okay, thank you. Fantastic. And that third voice you guys are hearing today is John Fugelsang from SiriusXM's Tell Me Everything. John, thank you for joining our little podcast. That's really a delight. I completely enjoy and am bewildered by what you do. And uh, I'm honored and thrilled and sheepish to be here. Oh, good. Can we call you John Fugelwang for the duration of the show? You know that I, it's my favorite nickname of yours. You know what? There's so many ways to make fun of my name, which begins with F-U, if that's as creative as you can get. <laughs> Nathan Lane once said that my name was German for large apparatus, and his publicist wouldn't let me use the quote. I was crushed. Aww. Oh, that's deeply disappointing. Mm, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of ways. So Mike, go ahead. Fugelsang, there's, I mean, many, many ways. Fugel, to... bang, bang. I mean, oh, there's, exactly. yeah, there's a lot you can do. I just, uh, considering the content of the, the podcast, I felt like it was appropriate. It's a nerdy name for a nerdy kid. And that's why when you Aww. asked me to pick a movie, I was like, I will admit, I came to this with a real prejudice because I felt as someone who was alive in the 80s, that comedy ruined porn almost as much as synthesizers in that decade. And so I came to this with a real negative connotation. But when you asked me to pick a film and I was like, I don't know, I've avoided porn parodies for many, many years. Like, is there anything for Star Wars or The Godfather? And y'all told me there is one for Star Wars. And I think that's so great. They're doing Star Wars porn parodies because that's a way to introduce young men who are into sci-fi and fantasy to porn. So now they'll discover the gateway. <laughs> Exactly. This is their gateway uh, film. Not like they need more, but they do. They absolutely do. I mean, if you are a huge sci-fi nerd and you've never watched porn, I mean. Seriously, you're a disgrace to incels. Right. I feel like that's how they get all their information, honestly, is just through. I wish they were porn parodies because then they would have a sense of humor on top of it. Right. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's the problem is they just have the uh, burning need to have non-consensual sex, but without the sense of humor to realize how wrong that is. And uh, they really should stop. When I was a young nerd, like an incel meant you were afraid of women, not that you also despised them and wanted to punish them for enjoying their sexuality. Incels have really gone off the rails, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you. Unfortunately, though, what it takes for someone to become an incel is just a lot of horrible interactions, unfortunately. I know that we had Nina Hartley on the show and during which she discussed that she feels bad for incels. And I frankly don't blame her. I mean, yeah, aside from the horrific misogyny and terrible things they say, uh, if you peel back the layer of that shitty onion, if um, just work with me on this, how they get there, how you become a damaged person no is doubt. not fun. 
Well, look, men cannot control the way they feel. They can't control the way they behave. So, like, you know, yep. it's one thing to be lonely Talk about and it. to be rejected by women. But, like, I come from a time when that meant you either had to get good at dancing or have a sense of humor. And yep. I didn't know that just being a pig was an option all along. So, I mean, it, geez, I worked way too hard trying to learn how to talk to people and and, uh, and listen and tell jokes. But to me, it's like if you're on uh, line all day and living in your parents' basement and watching porn and being a misogynist racist on the internet, what part of that is involuntary? You are signing up for a celibate life of a five-fingered orgy starring you and you alone. Uh, and solo. Right, thank you. Respecting mm-hmm. women and listening to women is the first step away from incel assholedom because you're signing up for it when you're being a misogynist. So I feel bad for them, but also only they can lift themselves out of it. I agree. And that's the thing. Once you get into that mindset and you surround yourself with a community that's cheering you on, it doesn't help because then you can't easily come out of it until people start challenging you. Except that now we have names for it. Like when I was a young guy and knew guys like this, it was just, oh, is this how it is? Is this how guys are supposed to think? And I actually like labeling it things like incels because it's going to make it harder for young men not predetermined to misogyny to fall into that swamp. Yeah. And examples of how you can get out of it. I mean, there's, I think, plenty of of examples of men that have lifted themselves out of it and found a way to not be complete and utter asshats. I just say, guys, like the real thing is better than porn. I mean, good God, nothing against porn. God bless. But, you know, like take a dance class, take an improv class, find something you're good at. You know how many amazing women in their 30s and 40s and 50s are willing to lower their standards so much <laughs> to have a date on a Friday. And that's Shut just up, LA. Shut up, John. I'm right here. That's just LA I'm talking about. LA is <laughs> like it, Mecca John. for lame guys. Like lame guys should bow to LA like it's Mecca five times a day and pray. Because that's where deal-breaking, low-frequency, dude-bro losers can get incredible women with low yep. self-esteem. And that's the good news, incels, really. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and unfortunately, I can uh, attest to what John is saying. It is true. I have dated some lovely humans in my life, but let's just say my mom has scolded me many times for lowering the bar to a point where she herself was completely flabbergasted and uh, disgusted. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's, uh, yeah, red flag central, but, you know, just keep going. The red flags are almost like it's like you're a bull and you just you go for the matador. You just kind of go for it. That's what I feel like LA is all about. No, I get it. I mean, you lower the bar so much, you just trip over it. Seriously. Yes. And trip on it and God knows what falls on what. So there you have it. That's what I'm saying. But again, it's not to say I'm anti-porn at the same time. I'm very pro-free expression, pro-erotica. I'm pro-men watching porn that women write and direct and produce much more. Yes. But I do shudder to think that there's an entire generation of young men and young women who are going to learn everything they know about human sexuality from a couple of roid rage misogynists in the valley with crappy lighting who seemingly use the same floral bedspread for every film. Bad yeah. porn is also a bad sex ed teacher. And the fact is that not just are birth rates going down, but the rates of men having sex in every category, including high school, have gone down, which tells me there's a lot of guys who would rather just stay home and watch the laptop than actually go out there and- um, I don't think it's, they would rather. I don't think they know how. Because that's, I actually, I was just talking about this the other day. A good friend of mine um, wrote a movie called We're the Millers. And there's a scene in that movie that um, eventually did not make the final cut, but it was a kid, like you just mentioned, that wanted so badly to have sex, but he learned everything he did from porn. Yep. My friend and I, the screenwriter, actually got in a fight because the line in the in the movie, because this kid was so disillusioned about what sex was, he just turned to his male mentor and said, I just want a girl that I can have dinner with and wants me to come in her face because he thought that that's what women wanted. And I had explained to him, it's not come in the face, it's come on the face. His name was John. And I was like, no. And so we had a fight for like a good two days about whether it was coming in the face or on the face, which I eventually won. But just that idea that I think there's kids that want it, but they just don't know how about go about getting it. And they're probably, and, and women too, if they don't know exactly how it's supposed to be done. And so there's just like, you know, square pegs and round holes, just not really working um, anymore because right? there's not really a, a dialogue and nobody's teaching them, you know, and Alice and I talked about this the other day, like our parents aren't going to sit us down and say, this is how you, you know, play with your clitoris, but like porn can teach you that or, you know, better sex ed. I don't know. I, I had a class called loving. I went to Catholic school and we had a class where Dr. Klein, who was a 60 plus year old woman showing us how to put condoms on bananas, but also showing us where the clitoris was. And I remember being horrified, you know, cause this is Catholic school, but she still thought it was important enough for us to know. Yeah, and it was. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a great thing about this show. We really do try normalizing. And let's actually have conversations about sex and porn and what actually happens in porn. And I mean, we've had multiple guests in past episodes talk about everything that's fake, you know, everything from the acting, the orgasms. Hey, she's not actually screaming because she's enjoying it. She has a leg cramp. She's been trying to get that out (laughs) for the past 20 minutes. Uh, Or the fact that I was telling Natalia this over lunch, uh, but we've mentioned before in the show that a lot of the cum shots are just fake. I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint most of you, but it's just moisturizer. I saw a documentary in Europe about how they do that with a turkey baster off camera. And yeah, I mean, they could <laughs> oh, yeah. take it all. But to me, that's another side of the, the dark side of this. If aliens yeah. landed on Earth and watched our porn, they would logically conclude that human females conceive through the chin. <laughs> Or the eye. I I mean, there's... (laughs) And true monogamy is knowing just when to choke her without her telling you. Exactly. Well, you only (laughs) slap the ones you love. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, and the donkey punches. Yeah, no, I feel like porn and also Photoshop. I mean, it's very similar in the fact that, like, you're getting a completely misrepresentation of what a person or what a thing is in terms of of sexual intercourse because it's completely... I mean, well, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone's sex life. Some people might have a completely... Every night is just a, a new uh, porno, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty mundane, I think, especially after 10, 15 years of being together, you know? Sure. I would think. Maybe some people have been looking for love in Alderaan places. So, ah, yes. We have a porn to review today, and it is Star Wars Triple X, the 2012 edition by Axel Braun. And I know what you guys are thinking, a Star Wars porn. Yes, finally, we got to Star Wars. By the way, I'm so excited because I grew up. I love Star Wars. I actually have some original Star Wars film cells next to me on a table because I love Star Wars Episode Four that much. Wow. Yes. I'm wearing Star Wars underoos right now. I should, I should let you both know that. I'm raising a small boy in second grade. <laughs> We know what religion we're raising him in. Uh, He actually got a children's Bible from his grandma where Jesus and everyone is Caucasian, and I'm down with that. And he came in one day and said, Jesus turned water to wine with the force, and I did not correct him. Yay. And I'm also proud (laughs) to have had a lot of, you know, performers from the films on my radio show, and I've known Mark Hamill for years, and he's a, a great guy. And I mean, I'm part of a generation that was a little boy when the first one came out, and it really became, in many ways, a religion for a generation of young men. Then in the prequels, George Lucas made us all atheists again, mm-hmm. but um, but still the programming stays with you. And for me as a kid, like my parents were ex-clergy, right? I saw the whole Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker thing really reflecting in a much more acute way, the God and Jesus thing. Not to get too lofty, but you know, like the father is a lot more powerful, but the son is not an incredible dick. <laughs> so like <laughs> for, for, I think for a whole generation of young people, we learn to understand religion and even myth from the Star Wars films. When Yoda says, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, that was the first time I understood the human soul. So like, I'm down with it. And that's why I came to a porn parody, a little terrified, like, would they ruin Star Wars? Would it be people who didn't appreciate Star Wars who were making this and just making fun of it? I loved Zack and Mirny make a porno and I always wanted to see Seth Rogen's ill-fated Star Wars. So I'm just so glad to know that four years later, you know, (laughs) Axel Braun blessed us and basically picked up where he left off. And I have to say, my gut reaction with this is I loved it. This, by the way, itself won, I believe, seven Avian Awards, six uh, XVIDs, and an award from XRCO. So Best art direction, best screenplay, best director, Mm -hmm. uh, an XRCO for best parody, an AVN for best parody, and an XBiz for parody release of the year. It's ridiculous. It's a lot of... Awards. <laughs> I mean, I would think the Pee Wee Herman film that I saw won as many, and that was really good. Yeah. I mean, when I first watched it, I, I didn't find it because I'm so used to uh, Mel Brooks's version of what a parody is. And I felt like there were so many missed opportunities because I felt like they weren't quite parroting it. They were almost doing like a, a shot for shot remake of it, but giving it some comedic spins because right. it was, they didn't change the names. I felt like there were so many missed opportunities with like Screw Baca and Han Solo. I mean, Leia is just Leia. That makes sense. But there's just so many things they could have done, but they definitely wanted to stay. It was almost as if somebody saw it, like John saw it as like a religious experience that they didn't want to tinker with it too much. Well, but and I, I respect I, I expected that. it to be blasphemy. You know, like I expected yeah. it to be. What surprised me the most about it 
beyond the fact that there's a whole lot of incest and bestiality, if you want to be objective with this. Yeah. And the most terrifying Chewbacca you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And the racial <laughs> politics are kind of as iffy as the first Star yep. Wars too. But yeah. um, what surprised me the most was that this was clearly a parody. And again, I don't like porn parodies. It's something I'm morally opposed to. And <laughs> I was so impressed in the beginning how, like in the first five minutes, someone mentions Admiral Thrawn, who's from the books never in a film, and he's on Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. And I thought, whoa, real fans made this. And what surprised me was it wasn't about denigrating Star Wars. It was about copying it, remaking it. And the guy who plays Luke is astonishing with the voice. And yeah, a lot of it's like played for laughs, and there's some things in here are really problematic. But like, first I couldn't believe, A, how are these people not sued? I mean, like I thought- I know, but I was like, holy crap, mm-hmm. is George Lucas being ripped off? Like, I haven't worried about his finances in a very long time. But I mean, the ships are the same. I mean, Darth Vader's yeah. called Darth Vader. His costume's almost completely the same. They literally play the Imperial March. I don't know how they got away with that, with the music. That's total copyright. The canteen, yeah. The canteen was slightly different, the tune, but not yeah. much. But I could tell they they love it. And for all the problems I had with it, and I have several, I was amazed by the budget. And I was just kind of moved by how clearly these people really know Star Wars. They know the dialogue inside out. There's direct Mm -hmm. lines of dialogue where they put in jokes. And these are lines I've heard hundreds of times in my life, but I never, I mean, they have a running gag in the last act of the film where they're all more or less doing the same exact joke. Like, uh, I bet you say that to all the men, Mm -hmm. which winds up being really funny and really clever how they find unexpected humor in the dialogue we all love. I can tell it was made by fans and not some schlock guys who just wanted to make a buck off it. And we've seen a fair amount of porn parodies on this show, but I've never seen one that essentially recreates something shot for shot. I think the closest we've come is the Pee Wee one. But this one is just, it's so mind-blowing how much of the original script that they integrated into this. There was times I I felt like I was watching fan fiction instead of a porn until a blowjob scene came on. Yeah, (laughs) until... There were a couple that just the sex scenes just sort of, wait, wait, what? How did, you know, in the canteen, uh, I was like, hold yeah. up, what, what's going on? <laughs> did, we're, okay, cool, fine. You got to find a space somewhere. I think all the incels who wanted to remake The Last Jedi finally have the platform where that could be pulled off effectively. But yeah, <laughs> I, and and again, I know we're not supposed to watch the sex scenes. I, I skipped through most of them, but there's a couple of like really kind of weird and problematic things that this film does that if you're a Star Wars fan, you realize, ooh, really not cool. Yeah. Which ones are you talking about? Because I just couldn't help but continue watching the entire Chewbacca threesome because he kept growling. And I have stories about why that one's even more interesting, but Tell me which ones that you well, know. Well, the Chewbacca threesome scene really made me understand that I'm I'm going to the wrong furry parties. I mean, I've got a like, <laughs> losing Craigslist. I lost a whole community because my furry parties are nothing like what this guy goes through. Okay, really quick, Leia has sex with her father and her brother. It's not. Oh yeah. Mentioned that way, but that's what you're getting into. In the beginning, when they have the scroll up, they cross out something. I believe it says father. Yes, I'm they try- make a I joke out of it. They're trying so hard. But like, I remember watching this and when she started playing with herself and I thought, oh God, no, no, dad, daughter, no, don't like this. And then he pulls out his huge black cock. And I thought, well, maybe they're, it's an adopted situation. I'm trying to like rationalize it. I'm trying so problem. hard. That, exactly. What's the problem mm-hmm. with the first Star Wars film? There's nobody black. black. There's white. like one black yeah. guy in the background of Tatooine for the whole movie. And like, it's interesting because the film is more progressive in many ways. Unlike George Lucas, they have female pilots in The New Hope, things like that. But beginning it, I thought, how are they going to do a porn parody of a movie that just has one female character the entire time? Turns out ancillary women get a workout. But um, the one black guy, you know, there were no African-Americans in Star Wars, so he made Lando. And Lando is a terrific character in Empire Strikes Back. And Billy Dee Williams has played him on the animated shows, too. But the only African-American here, it's like a different kind of exploitation. We talk about African-American men exploited for the male Caucasian gaze as sex objects, just like women in porn, if you want to get academic about it. But here, there's one black guy, he's wearing a Darth Vader costume, and only one part of him ever comes out to reveal that he's black. Mm-hmm. Little, yep. little, little yeah. dodgy. No. In episode four, we're not going to see any other part of Vader, so. That's true. We didn't see any other part of Chewbacca, but then again, in theory, he's not wearing a costume. Turns out Chewbacca's got a retractable uh, pinky. 
one. Yeah, I wonder if he has a baculum. I mean, if he is part dog, this is a scientist in me. Um, yeah, so the penis bone is present in many mammals. Most non-human primates have a baculum or a penis bone, John. I can't speak for you. Most humans don't. I don't know if you have a, a, a baculum, but uh, in theory, Chewbacca My baculum's would, so big it's got a knee in it. Oh, <laughs> God. Fantastic. I heard that. Oh, no. <laughs> That just inspired my Siri to, to go off. Uh, I know, Siri. To your point, John, you're right. Uh, the difficulty with turning Star Wars originally even into a porn is that there's really one central woman, Leia. And we're not counting Aunt Beru because, you know, although that scene would be pretty hot. And there's, there's a joke about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> when Han says, not many girls on the moisture farm, there's, there's a lot of clever lines in this thing. Oh, yeah. And also, I will say, mm-hmm. she looks a lot more like Daisy Ridley than Carrie Fisher, which made it a bit easier for me. There you go. Yeah, Ellie Hayes looks really great as Leia. So, I don't know. I mean, I know it looks like Carrie Fisher's daughter, but I'll take it. Comes really close for porn. I agree. And the, again, the guy playing Luke is astonishing. He's got the voice down so well. And the guy who played Han looks like the new Han, I think, very yes, much. I agree. Yeah. yeah, the guy who played Luke was Seth Gamble, and he actually also played Deadpool, which we reviewed recently. Oh. He killed it in Deadpool, and really? he killed it. He nailed Luke's whininess. Yeah, and I will say, you know, as Obi Wan, Alec Guinness lost the Best Supporting Actor, but this Obi Wan wins Best Score. He was <laughs> Tom Byron's alcoholic Obi Wan is so amazing. good. Really it's funny. so good. I just, yeah, I I loved the sand, uh, yeah, boning sand people left and right. She was fantastic. The, like, obviously over-the-top gay stereotypical C-3PO was really tacky and very 80s and really made me think I was going to be watching a stupid film, and I'm glad the humor got better as it went on. Mm -hmm. C-3PO was also played by uh, Gigi LaRue. Oh. Oh, yeah. So someone who historically has done a lot of work uh, within the gay community, so. Interesting. That makes it easier, then. The guy who plays Chewbacca is named Dick Chibbles, and everything's... <laughs> uh-huh. That just feels right. Actually, uh, for the sex scene where Chewbacca... I feel like we should almost go a little bit scene by scene, just so we can mm-hmm. break down. Yes. And we have so much to say about each scene. Maybe we should just start from the beginning. So in the beginning, we open with that CGI budget. I've never watched a movie that had so much CGI where I was just in awe. I mean, like, I expected the worst. I expected it to be just like atrocious in the CGI. And I was kind of impressed that like, not just the comedy was better than expected, but the special effects were better than expected. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting it to be stop motion or some sort, you know what I mean? Like using models and things of that sort. Yeah. That would have also been very funny, I think, because I'm also as somebody who loves parody and likes the absurd. That would have also been fine with me. But yeah, I think they did a very good job just sort of, again, like shot for shot. I thought it was going to be like really, really just tacky, deliberately schlocky humor. And as it went on, I mean, I've never said this before about a porn parody, but I was so impressed with the dialogue. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And you have fantastic dialogue between C-3PO and R2-D2. And by the way, I was kind of in shock because in the credits, and I think they listed this as a joke, they listed Tommy Gunn, famous porn actor, as playing (laughs) R2-D2. There is no sex scene of R2-D2s in this, just to preface this for anyone who's going in. That was disappointing. There's a lot of interspecies relationships, but not a lot of uh, AI crossover. I call it interspecies mingling. (laughs) So in the beginning, we have Vader who comes in, you know, he's even choking one of the people, you know, trying to interrogate him and accidentally breaks his neck. And I'm shocked that throughout this whole thing, we didn't have a Vader- you know, during, for example, the later sex scene between Vader and Leia, where, you know, he's not trying to choke her or, yeah, choke me, daddy. <laughs> Missed like, opportunity. We didn't get that. Seriously, she could have said choke me, daddy, and that would have applied to someone. Someone would have loved that. That's for the sequel with Darth Rocco Sofredi. Yeah, Empire Strokes Back. Oh! If it doesn't already exist, it really should. Yeah, I also felt like there were missed opportunities with the camel toe line. I'm just used to, again, like the Mel Brooks, if you're going to have a camel toe, there needs to be underwear with a printed camel toe on it or something, (laughs) just because it's just like, okay, we get it. It's a camel toe. But, and I feel like the stormtroopers, I called them porn troopers just because it just felt, you know, like if we're going to have parody, it's what I wrote in my notes, but there's just a bunch of valley girls, which is kind of ridiculous and, and, yeah, I mean, somewhat amusing, I felt. But that's how you get more women into it. Yeah, you have to. But I kind of wanted them to also be a little dumb. Um, a lot of them were just kind of like dumb to see. Oh my God, blondes, like, oh, I like a camel toe. That's cool. You know, I kind of wanted them to be very 
Butch and some having some Butch Dom characteristics. That would have been fun. A lot of the women were uh, almost attractive enough to be at an actual Comic-Con, which I couldn't say 20 years ago. But again, like, <laughs> lines where you realized how much they love the series. Like they talked about holocrons in this. Holocrons you only know about if you watch like the Star Wars animated show. And then, you know, when R2 shows the hologram and he says, wait, play back the entire message. And 3PO says, oh no, the first taste is always free. Like there's <laughs> so much really sharp wit in this thing that it's rare I say the comedy was better than the porn part. Yeah, although I missed the missed opportunity for parsecs instead of parsecs, I did uh, like the fact that he did correct him on the fact that parsecs is a measure of distance rather than time. Yep, me that too. Was, that was yes. good. I felt like that was the Neil deGrasse Tyson, actually, you know, of the film, of uh, bringing in the science, which, you know, you don't necessarily expect from a, a pornographic film. A lot of it felt like like if I was at a Star Wars Rocky Horror where people had <laughs> been waiting to shout out for years, like when Luke says, but I was going to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. And Uncle Owen just is like, take it easy, Luke, you're going to need your inhaler. And it was... <laughs> <laughs> like a line that we've all laughed at for years. And again, in the last third of the movie, they, they do a gag. Like, it's so rare to find a good running gag in anything. But like when Leia says, you came in that thing, you're braver than I thought. Solo says, I bet you say that to lots of guys. And then like later, Solo goes, when he has the line, sometimes I amaze even myself. She says, I bet you say that to lots of girls. And then in the end, when Solo says, let's blow this thing and go home, Luke says, I bet you say that to a lot of men. Like as a comedian, I was applauding the running gag and, and just playing that over and over again and finding three different parts in the last 10 minutes of the film where they could milk that. Yeah. My personal favorite was the running gag they had with the waiter and Jeff Fader. Oh my yes. God, the tray, the tray. <laughs> So there's a waiter who keeps coming in and interrupting with a tray from the cantina trying to deliver food to Jeff Vader. <laughs> so funny. It's so stupid, but great. And it happens multiple times placed throughout the film. And ultimately it culminates with there's a fire in the kitchen and that's why the Death Star ultimately explodes. Because so it happens to be next to the core reactor, of course. Reactor. Yeah, like every so funny. kitchen and needs to. By yeah. the way, the guy playing Tarkin gets no sex scenes and looks nothing like Peter Cushing, but he <laughs> went for it, man. This guy, like, he did not treat this like a porn. They hired real actors they who had act British yeah. accents to come in and do this. Oh my God, yes. And they had some big stars also who were just doing cameos. So I'm like saying, wait, is that Tommy Pistol and Ryan Driller? What are they doing in this porn? <laughs> and they have one line and they're gone. Yeah, I mean, you could tell there was a lot of affection for porn and for Star Wars. And in that sense, I think it was designed to be watched over and over again by real fans. It does remind me of, I mean, again, I'm going to keep bringing up Mel Brooks because I do love that sort of attention to detail and watching a film five times and being like, I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even see this joke. I, you know, it's just, they keep coming. They keep coming, which is good. I agree. You always want your pornos to keep coming. Uh, but I actually thought this movie was much more reverent to Star Wars than Spaceballs was. Spaceballs is making fun of Star Wars. This film, yeah, it's a parody, but like they treat it as holy scripture. There's inside jokes that only diehards are going to get in this film. Mm -hmm. I mean, you never completely understand in the original why it was that the Sand People ran off after Obi-Wan made a weird sound. But now we understand because if a Jedi fucks you in the ass... In sand, you're going to run away because you don't want that to happen again. It answers so much. She seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. She hissed at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so many mixed messages. <laughs> oh, so just shout out to the sound effects going on during the sex scene. So during the Leia and Vader sex scene, while she's going down on him, you have the Vader breath going on. <sighs> <sighs> For a solid five, six minutes. <laughs> then you have um, Chewie growling, Dick Chibber's yeah. growling throughout his entire scene. You have hissing, which is just a yeah. hoot during Sand People. Oh, and cantina music playing in the background for That's 30 right. minutes. 30 minutes yeah. of cantina music. Yeah, yeah. and, and a lot of it is like straight up. I mean, a lot of it's not parody. It's straight up. Yeah. John Williams is going to call his lawyer when he sees it. Uh, and there's a Twi'lek girl sex scene, which a lot of incels like myself have waited their entire adult lives for. So there's, 
there's more than one example of interspecies Congress in this movie. Yes, exactly. No, it, it definitely uh, hinges on the line of, of much bestiality, much uh, incest. But I love how they really went out of their way saying, it's really nice that we're not related. It's so great. That- uh, yes, they, I mean, they know it. It was all full of insight. They had to. That's what I found the most heartwarming about it was just the love of Star Wars and, and the source dialogue. Absolutely. You knew that the buildup was going to happen. I mean, you knew that in the end, Leia was going to. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I can't wait to show it to my kids this weekend. My, I can't wait to show it to my kids. I really. He will deeply appreciate it. God. I found out that the second DVD of this film actually has the entire film, which is running time of well over an hour, but minus all the sex scenes. So you can show it to him. Oh my God. Well, that, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. There are allusions to sex and sexual innuendo, but it's not that dirty. It really, it's not like uh, Fact the Future where it's like cock brown. You know, the names are just the names and and the jokes are more innuendo than anything. You know, I feel like, like an Obi-Wan, I love Obi-Wan as the comedic relief. That to me is just, was fantastic. I couldn't get enough of that. You had me at cock brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, John, I Fact the Future, let me just tell you, I I had not watched much porn parody and then I watched that for my first episode on here. Oh, look at the kidders. Or I had to get up because I had a problem. I had a crisis with the dog in the corner and now the cat is just getting in the shot. That's great. My cat was just trying to climb on me. So we're we're all uh, getting attacked. Yeah, but, but the difference between this podcast and the film we just watched is we will not have sex with our pets. That's what- Oh God, no, no, no. I would no. never, never, never do that. Never. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I promise. Never. <laughs> You shag one sheep. Well, just one. Just one. Look, it got uh, me out of the Air Force. What do you want? But I'd never. <laughs> I find your lack of nudity disturbing. <laughs> Obi-Wan drinking piss was pretty fantastic. That was pretty good. I just, God, he was such a good comedic relief that I just couldn't get over how, although there was a, at one point when he was talking about Luke's father and he called him a cunning warrior. And I was very disappointed for not the follow-up of, you know. He did Come follow on. up with, well, how did my father die? Well, a young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until I cut off his <laughs> arms, his and, arms legs and legs and left him burning really in a river funny. of lava. <laughs> it was a great visual. The only redeeming <laughs> visual from the prequels. Uh, actually, I would watch these if they remade the prequels this way. I mean, you can make the argument this is a porn film with better acting than much of the first two prequels. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Much better. Yeah. I was very impressed with all the actors. You know, I mean, there was only a few times that I was like, come on, where'd you walk in off the street? It's true. They weren't phoning it in. I mean, like, they really they really tried to make it a real movie. I think the fact that they have so much hubris, they'll release a cut with all the sex parts taken out shows how maybe a little too seriously they took it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, it's not that good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not that good. Believe me, it's not It's not what I would call a good film. Solo is a better use of your time to watch that. But having said that, it's as a porn parody, it's miles. I mean, I, and I'm a snob, so I haven't watched a porn parody since I was like 18 and was like, oh, not funny and not sexy. So I was just so impressed by the, the budget, the creativity, and again, the fact that they really, really love the source material. I can't wait to see them, you know, do a porn parody of Lawrence of Arabia. And that's all guys. Never mind. Bad example. But I could else. probably find I it. mean, there probably is a porn parody, but it probably is all guys. That's true. <laughs> and that would be just for a different audience. Yeah. Lawrence in Arabia or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> now, I have to say, speaking of Solo... The one character that I wasn't impressed with was the casting for Han Solo. I felt Rocco Reed played like an okay Han Solo. I don't know if there's a porn equivalent of Harrison Ford out there somewhere, but it just felt a little flat to me for this film. So Honestly, I agree with you. I felt like the guy playing Luke was a big fan of the original movie. I felt the guy playing Han Solo had seen the original movie not for several years and just, you know, played it based on memory. I mean, Seth Gamble not only nailed, you know, like I mentioned before, Luke's whininess and even, you know, to the point where he even makes, which in retrospect makes so much reasonable sense of like, why is there no warning label on a lightsaber before you hand it to someone? Yeah. (laughs) He plays an affable, sweet moron, like just the biggest dum-dum and and so well. I mean, but also still ridiculously hot. So it's it's it, he treads a fine line. Whereas Han Solo, I felt like did not bring um, the same sort of swagger or you know saltiness. Yeah, that you need to be Han. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Dick Chibbles, though. So (laughs) tell me more about Dick Chibbles. Well, I first encountered Dick Chibbles in when we started covering, I think, The Wizard of Oz, like way back in episode three last year. Was he the lion? No, he was, I think, the Tin Man. Oh, Oh, he's been stiff for a year? Hey. (laughs) Gotta loop that guy up. So fun fact about the costume, it wasn't finished by the time they had Chewbacca's sex scene. So first off, how do we describe Chewbacca's costume? It's It looks like an, I'm going to butcher this dog name, but like Affin Pincher? Oh, yes. How do, how do you say that dog? I don't know, but they're like it looks like a Brussels griffin or something. I thought he looked like a rug with a glory hole. Like an effing pincher fucked a Bigfoot. Pretty much. Yeah, he's very, he's got a, a great Sasquatch thing going on, but his face, yeah, it looks like, yeah, an Affin's pincher, the, the pug-ish sort of face where it's all just sort of squished together. The blue eyes was a little jarring. And the braids on his chin. The braids, I, I almost felt like they should have had some flowers to them to kind of give him an added hipster thing, but this is 2012, perhaps too ahead of its time. You know, that would have been a little too much. <laughs> A man bun would have been really a gentle touch, honestly, if we brought Chewbacca back, you know, yeah. an IPA with a man bun and some braids. <laughs> we could film the whole thing in Brooklyn and still be under budget. Oh, dear God. <laughs> we could do this. I know some people in Red Hook. We could make this happen. Casting for Ewoks is easy. Everybody has dogs here. Right. That's a sub fetish of, uh, of furries. Oh, dear God. Oh, no. Ewoks? Yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> Since the costume wasn't finished in time for the sex scenes, do you know what they did to hold it together? No. Safety pins. Now, patrons of the show, they've already listened and they know this because one of the people that helped write and helped out on the film, we've had her on as a guest host, Allison McKnight, gave us this little spoiler where she was on the set of filming this. And so they were using safety pins. And while he was on his back, they kept on clipping. So those Mm. safety pins were driving into his back. So they had to keep cutting during the sex. And uh, he had to keep popping little blue pills. So more and more blood thinners. Viagra. Yeah. To stay hard throughout the entire scene for like a solid hour and a half. And that sex scene was only, what, 15 minutes long. Wow. Jesus. Did he bleed out? Did we lose him? Did we lose Dick Chibbles? No, he's still around. Thankfully. Oh, my goodness. But I mean, this is a man who's dedicated himself that much to his craft that he will take this type of pain for you people. And he's like 50, too. Like, he's a seasoned porn star. Oh, yeah. Mm. Or third. yeah. Now, I just thought, my first thought when I when it, that scene started was, I've worn a lot of costumes. That sounds bad. But I've, a lot, I've worn a lot of, like, Bigfoot costumes in my life. They're hot as hell. So I just thought about how hot he must be under that costume while getting all the sex from all, like, those two different ladies every which way from Sunday. So... I just, you know, more power to him. And he's getting poked with pins. Right. You know, so many pokings in that scene. And what did he get out of it? Just, you know, paycheck and sex with two hot women. I mean, really, he's the victim here. Hero. Hero right Right. there. He took one for the team. Took two for the team, actually. He took two. He did. Sith happens. (laughs) Where is that, man? I want to pat him on the back. Is that the only place you want to pat him? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I I think I've had my fill of... uh, Bigfoot eight men <laughs> in my life. I'm I'm good. I've uh yeah. Any chance you still have any of those costumes? Because I do. Well, Todd does. We have them at NYU. The Bigfoot and the Yeti. Wow. I have a gorilla costume back in LA. I have some people who might be interested. Okay. <laughs> they can use the Yeti when they make the Wampa in the Empire Blows Back or whatever you call the Strokes ah, Back. Strokes Back. Blows Back is good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Yeti would be a good tauntaun too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be good. Just rip it open. Just take a nap in me. That's cool. Whatevs. They did have the Tauntaun sleeping bag. That's what's something you should get your kid. Oh, okay. I'll get on that right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already got like a Kylo Ren sleeping bag. I've got so much of that. I have like old Star Wars sheets. I mean, we're definitely raising the kid in this religion. So it was very, very funny to this watch a Star good. Wars thing I'll never watch with him. We're actually- You never know. That's so funny because we're doing the cycle. Like the whole deal was to watch everything Star Wars- up until episode nine comes out. So like we got through episode one and two, and now we're in the middle of the Clone Wars series. And then we got three, and then we got Solo, and then we have the whole Rebel series. So we're giving us two months to do this. And it was like so weird to watch this particular movie in the middle of this father-son binge watch. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Here to help. You know what? It's something for the other hemisphere of my brain, and I appreciated that. (laughs) 
Another thing I really liked was the bickering between Vader and the Emperor, just going back and forth and just being, wasn't it the Emperor? What's his name? Tarkin. Yeah. Yeah. They gave Darth Vader one of the Emperor's lines, like in one of the early scenes. They, yeah. they, you know, they took an Emperor line from Return of the Jedi and gave it to Darth Vader in this one. Like, Which one? Great. Which one's that? I got to go back and watch it. It's in the scene where, with the delivery guy, but I actually wrote it down <laughs> at the time. There, there are so many Easter eggs in here for you know guys who like sci-fi and porn. I assume there's some overlap in those Venn diagrams. I'd be shocked to find any. Yeah, I'm interested in what the casting was like and how people probably were campaigning to get roles. Because like you said, Alice, there are so many porn stars that have very small cameos. Like, I wonder if it was like the go... And there's so many actors in it that I'm pretty sure are not porn stars. And you just kind of wonder how they got there, you know? Because this is something that you know is going to do well. If it's the first Star Wars parody in, in 2012, you know, like. I don't know how porn makes money anymore. Like, I don't know where they get the budgets. I don't know how it they doesn't. actually. Right. But like, this seemed like a film that was designed to have men buy it, not just watch five minutes of it on a website, but to actually pay for an entire download of a whole movie. Yeah. So I know that on the second DVD, other than having the entire film without the sex scenes, I believe they also have table readings from people trying to get the parts. That's funny. Yeah, and they never do that in porn. Especially during the oral sex scenes, because I'm sure not all of that was scripted. <laughs> There's a lot of... <laughs> I don't think was actually in the text, but I'd love to see that and compare. I'm trying to think of how that looks written out. Yeah. Give me a minute. <laughs> so am I supposed to gargle or spit right now? I can't. It's, it's I just... just it's, it, says gar- it just says... <laughs> like, what noise is that? That was a good Chewbacca, Alice. I really respect nice, very that. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was good. That wasn't even me trying Chewbacca. Oh, God. Do I do Chewbacca then when I'm... Never mind. I'm trying to think of... No, you do Bluebacca. <laughs> but a lot of these parodies really don't have a lot of money anymore. And we've talked about this in detail. You know, the ones that do still have money to create parodies are like Wood Rocket that are now subsequently owned by Pornhub and sponsored right. by them to create the content. And they get their money through ad rev and subscription sales, really. Right. But most people don't pay for their porn, and we highly encourage it because how else are you going to give back? See any of this? Yeah, Hilton hotels. I mean, I don't know how they make their money anymore, uh, and I'm, I don't want targeted advertising to happen. So, I mean, it's nice to see that they're actually making stuff designed to be sold as a two disc DVD set. Because I'm convinced. I, I don't know how you look up the sales, but I'm convinced there's a lot of people who would own this because they like the artistry that went into the parody. Sure. But unfortunately, not a lot of people have DVD players anymore. That's also a... Oh, I know. That's true. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have 700 DVD porns, if you guys want uh, to know where I can unload these. But yeah, 100. <laughs> I don't know where the old porn goes. Where does the... Operative where, word ha- load. where did all the VHS porn go? Does it just go to dumpsters? Or is it in South America? Where does it migrate? They're in my mom's closet right now. My best friend gave me all his gay, old gay porn VHS. As a joke, he left it on my, uh, my doorstep. <laughs> And it somehow ended up in my mom's closet. Yeah. There's like six old guys who have all the VHS porn. They're hoarding it. Yeah. We send it to Cuba. (laughs) That's probably it. It's in the third world. And then, you know, they're wondering why Americans all have big hair and pubic hair. They're watching 80s VHS porn. That's why the bush is back. Why do they like the mustache so much? So much mustache. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion of what we're into. No, I I remember years ago, I've told Alice this story, but I I worked on um, a movie with... Ron Jeremy, not that kind of movie. He was stunt casted in a film where okay. he was supposed to play a puritanical producer. And so I had to do his wardrobe, but also cut out pictures and, and make them look like their family photos. Cause I didn't have Photoshop at the time. It was like 2002 or three. And so I cut out pictures of his face from the back of pornos and then glued them into family photos in pre like frames, so pictures fun. of photos. And usually he was making, you know, like some sort of O face. This is like one of my random jobs I've done through life. And, you know, I also had to do his wardrobe. I had to get him a a khaki pants and a a lavender button up with a yellow sweater vest. Wow. That was an intense situation. You know what? I've seen Meryl Streep pull off a lot of roles. I've never seen her convince me that she was enjoying copulation with Ron Jeremy. That is my acting test. That's how I judge. That's that's it. Can you convince me that you are having a good time with Ron? Then I'll believe you're correct. I can't. As someone whose neck has been accidentally sucked by Ron Jeremy through mm-hmm. a scarf, I want to uh-huh, be very uh-huh, clear. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's very conflicting. So let me explain. Yeah. You just me to me with the yeah. story. So, 
So I didn't mean for it to happen because no one means for Ron Jeremy to suck on your neck. It's kind of like when you accidentally have like a mosquito bite you. It happens. It's there. You have to deal with the aftermath. I was at Exotica a few years ago. This was way pre-porn parody. I saw Ron Jeremy. I thought, hey, it would be fun to have a photo with him. My boyfriend's taking the photo. And as that's happening, Ron goes for the neck. And I don't know how he got past the scarf, but it's such a conflicting feeling because number one, it feels great. And number two, it's like your grandmother sucking on your neck. So what do you do? You're very well hung grandmother. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Alice knows this story. I ended up becoming friends with Ron. And the reason why we stopped being friends is he wouldn't stop trying to fuck me. And I kept telling him, no, no, please. No, I have a boyfriend. Can we just be friends, please? He couldn't, he just couldn't. It was like, can I just be the one girl that you just don't have sex with. There's so many you do. Can I just be the token? Oh, there's so many he doesn't. There's so many. Yeah, I, I know, I right? you, I have you ever been to a public event with Ron? I get yeah. the pain behind his mm-hmm. life because his whole life is having sex with stunning women who would never give him the time of day in a club. And when he's out in public, I've always noticed when I've been at events with him, and he's always been very kind to me. It's very nice. It's all young women coming up and going, hedgehog. And he's called that all the time by women in the real world. That having that said, his body of work speaks for itself. And, uh, and I find, you know, male porn acting to be fascinating anyway. I mean, half of the actors who do gay porn identify as being straight, which tells me clearly these are men who love the craft of acting. Like I don't love it that much, but these guys, that's (laughs) method, man. When you're a hetero guy, but you'll go there with Jeff Stryker. God bless you, man. You are Olivier to me. But in this case, it was really weird to be watching a porn movie where neither the comedy nor the acting nor the misogyny bothered me all that much. I don't know if that stat is true where half of the people in gay porn aren't gay. I love... I've heard a third to half of guy is gay for pay. I just wonder if it's because of the stigma around coming out. Only because, you know, I, I think that sexuality is far more fluid than we have given it credit to being, you know, and, 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 and it can be. I will venture to say if you're having sex with men on camera, you're not worried about coming out. That's not something that holds you back. You're actually letting the world know in a very specific way. So I don't know. I mean, you know, we've heard stories of guys. I've read interviews with guys who wound up making all this money doing it. And when you think about the fact that women get paid to do porn with men they wouldn't want to have sex with ordinarily. Why is it shocking that men do the same thing? I know that I had one of my guy friends who, when I started doing this show, told me that he did some cam work and he's straight. And he was telling me that when he was doing cam work, eventually he switched over to doing gay camming because guys paid a lot better. Wow. Yeah. He just decided, you know what, I'm going to just do this. And it's for him, it was different because he wasn't interacting. But I mean, then again, also, if you enjoy having stuff up the butt doesn't mean you're gay. Just want to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I mean, for a long time has been such a misunderstood concept that I think that because sex ed is not good in this country and and no mom and dad are going to sit their kid down and be like, it's okay if you want to stick your finger, you know, like nobody's going to have that conversation. And, and I, and understandably so. So, you know, I think having those conversations or at least having science communicators or sex communicators talk about sex in a way that's open and also talks about consent. Cause I also liked, um, actually, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I mean, well, we're, we're still talking about it, but at the very end, I feel like Leia, just kind of covered all of it. Right. Leia gets her, uh, due with both, uh, Luke and Han and Han actually waits for her consent. Cause she's like, what are you waiting for? And he was like, I was waiting for you to invite me. And I was like, look at you go. Getting all consenty, 2012, way before the Me Too movement. I, I, I enjoyed that. But things yeah. like that, you know, that young men and women are not really taught, but also things like what are considered quote unquote kinks, which are not really kinks. You know, they're actually just sort of preferences. They don't need to be stigmatized. True. Yeah. What I'd love is, and we're slowly but surely starting to go incorporate this more in porn, and I'd love to see it more and more, which is more consent talk. And I know it's not sexy, but I mean, a lot of these actors will have half hour to hour long conversations prior to shooting because they want to discuss with their scene partner. All right. What are you into? What are we doing? That's how you know they're transitioning from scene to scene to scene. They already know It's not they're reading each other's minds. But on top of that, you want to know, okay, well, 
maybe I'm into choking. All right, well, maybe this actor is going to choke too hard. Maybe let's pass on that this time around and whatnot. And that's what you don't see in a lot of the post-production. And that's cut out because it's just, you know, not interesting. Not as sexy, yeah. But what I like is, you know, slowly we're getting to a point of where we're seeing in porn, hey, what do you like? What do you want me to do? Things like that. And I'd love to see more of that in more mainstream porn, but I'm not seeing it yet. It's more in the indie stuff, but we're getting there. Can hope. Alice, is it mostly uh, in the indie stuff that is doing that kind of work? Is it female directors or is it just a mix of all sorts of female, male directors? There's a lot more females. So, I mean, whenever indie people are doing it, you have a lot of porn stars who are creating their own content. So they're creating Uh. the content that they want to make and put out for their fans. So you'll have people who, you know, just came off set, you know, they're hanging out with someone that they could have even just had on set and doing a scene with them, things like that. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about supporting specific porn stars. You know, the porn is always going to be ethical because it's what they want to shoot. Yeah. And you also have to imagine that, you know, men who are interested in working for a while in this business will learn to respect the female stars of their films very early on. And I'd like to imagine that any men who are true misogynists from the acting point of view, uh, who don't respect the women, don't have very long careers. I want to believe that. We've heard lots of stories about guys who have a lot of power and do mistreat people. What I like about porn is that it's not a question of pay equity. Women are paid much more and with good reason. And I'd like to believe that that kind of is trickle-down feminism where douchebags aren't going to be able to mistreat a woman on a set full of people just because they think they have a chance to. Well, Pepper was saying that. We were talking to a performer a few weeks ago. She's also a scientist. And she was basically saying like when she works with somebody and they behave or treat women are kind of are bro-y and sort of have a boys club talk. She's just like, well, won't work with them again. And, you know, and and word spreads. It's kind of like a spread of mouth, like who's good to work with, who is going to just be kind of a, you know, you just don't want to work with assholes. You want to work with good people. And of course with porn, it's not only more fun, but it's, it makes for a better product and it's more ethical. You're right. You know, less dangerous. Now that said, there's not a lot of guys in porn because I mean, if you're a guy and you're listening to this and you're saying, well, it's easy, just get a screw woman. No, <laughs> you have multiple cameras on you. You have to stay hard for an extended amount of time. You, If you can come on command, apply for porn. Because <laughs> I can't. I guess that's a fun fact. I can't do that on command. <laughs> Most people can't. <laughs> and go. <laughs> Action. And scene. No. But mm. the point is this, that because there's so few men, if you can check the boxes and do a scene, you will hang around longer than other people. And you don't have to be smart either. I mean, I've talked to porn stars and they're like, yeah, I've had to do scenes where the guy was a flat earther and I had to fake liking him for yeah. the scene. Of course. Now, they don't give you that disclaimer before you watch a porn. Hey, the people you're going to watch fucking, one of them believes the earth is flat. It's true. Oh, it's terrifying. I mean, when you cast because you're hanging outside Gold's Gym in Venice Beach all day, you're not going to get the broadest cross-section of ideologies. Hey, that's my old gym. I love that gym. I'm just saying when you cast a certain kind of guy in a certain region of the country for a certain reason. (laughs) I know. It's not going to be the kind of guy that the girl would actually want to bring home after the workday. No, exactly. It's like just the one that they want to think about. Yeah. I mean, there was also uh, years ago, there were theories about when in a woman's cycle, she is more uh, likely to step out on her mate. And the mm-hmm. idea was that she's more likely to stay with, you know, again, this is, there's more research is always needed, but women were more likely to find men that were more symmetrical and, and attractive in terms of scientific terms uh, or, you know, symmetry being an indicator. During ovulation. During ovulation. Yeah. yeah. Of symmetry where? Sym- like facial symmetry, actually. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, is that's, I mean, that's considered a sign of attractiveness. I'm super asymmetrical, but some people are closer to being symmetrical. I mean, there's also just certain body types and shapes and everything. But I also, I, as somebody who I'm a staunch believer that really takes out of the factors out uh, individual preference, because I think people have such unique and wide ranging individual preferences that are influenced by their growing up, by their environment, you know, by their culture. So I think it's not as easy as saying, oh, biology determines what we're attracted to, because I I think that's a bunch of bull. 
But I do think it's interesting. I don't know. I think that's the greatest joke of nature, right? Like all this time we think we're attracted to what we're attracted to. All the while it's actually nature being like, nope, you're attracted to what you think is a desirable mate with the traits your offspring needs. And we think it's just us getting the hard on when in reality it's centuries and centuries of behavior and DNA making the choice for us. We just think, oh, hot choker. Yeah, I mean, but there's still like the Oedipal and the Electra complex. There's still people oh, doing and, yeah. and attracted to things that they're not supposed to. I mean, I'm saying that there, there is this, are Is this biological- the podcast going off the rails, by the way? Are we off the rails, by the way? I love it. No. This. We're allowed to. We always go off the rails. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm a little bit mixed of nature and nurture. I mean, obviously, some bio- there are some biological factors that will for incest avoidance, but at the same, you know, but I do think that saying that like men only like big boobs because, or, or, uh, you know, hip to waist ratio, you know what I mean? That has to be a certain ratio. No, but you're right. There is, there are, there are lots of nurture issues and God only knows how many women I've been attracted to because of my unresolved issues with my mother. (laughs) So, uh, Don't worry. I had a boyfriend for a long time that everyone called dad because they, he reminded them so much of my dad. (laughs) And I was just like, no, stop it. Please stop. How delightful. Do not like, I know. How's dad doing? Stop it. That's one way to destroy a relationship. (laughs) Jesus. I know. We're still good friends. He's a wonderful human. He's just, he's, I mean, it's a compliment. I mean, he's a, I guess my dad's a good looking man, but he's also very funny like my father, but still. Yeah, no, but it is interesting. And culture plays a huge role in what we think is hot. And that always shifts, which is also, I think, problematic too, because I think body types have gone in and out of fashion through the mm-hmm. years. And that shouldn't, that's unfortunate because, like, what if your body type's like not in vogue this season and you're just like, hey guys, over here, ha, ha, nah, nah, never mind. But I want to believe that any, any people who, you know, don't get all their opinions from screens will still be attracted to whomever they're attracted to. And the nice thing about all this body, like, as a male growing up, I would always resent the women my culture told me I was supposed to find attractive because it was never the case. Uh, yeah. I, but one time when I was a kid, I passed uh, Cindy Crawford on the street and I was mad because she actually really was so hot. And I had been so resentful of her that my culture kept saying, this is your ideal. But I think that for many of us, we're often surprised by who we're drawn to, whose smell we like, mm-hmm. who we're kind of surprised that like, oh, wow, I, I actually trust you and feel safe with you and do whatever you want to me because I know you're good. And and I think that's the great thing about getting away from screens and, you know, yep. talking to you, Incels, like, <laughs> you know, getting out there and learning the only one who decides who you're going to be attracted to at the end of the day really is you, whether it's your DNA or your hangups. Yeah. Now I've done videos about pheromones and just how they can play a role in human mating yeah. and being able to, you know, smell out somebody who's genetically dissimilar to you, which in theory right. would be a better mate in terms of if you're going to have viable, healthy offspring, you know, That's you want, so true. you want variation. I mean, you know, by someone's smell, yeah, you oh, know, by God. someone's smell, it doesn't matter what they look like. No. Is that an actual thing? Pheromones? Yes, but not, it doesn't necessarily have a smell. Right. You know, it doesn't necessarily, you can't really smell them. But I mean, I don't know about you, Alice, but I have had men in my life that I cannot stop smelling and I love it and I'm addicted. And I've had men tell me I smell like peaches. One guy that was just like, I was with him for six years and he just loved the way, no, was it, yeah, it was peaches. He was like, you just smell like peaches. And I was just like, I don't understand it, but he really loved the way I smelled. And we were horrible for each other, like the worst partners ever, but we just couldn't quit each other. It was very strange. It was almost like animal magnetism. Ah, who knows? The capitalist in me is saying, why haven't we bottled this up and made money? <laughs> there was a perfume. Oh, de Jeff. Oh my God. What was it called? Like Realm or something? It was, there was a perfume. John, do you remember it? It was in the night, like early nineties. Score with pheromones. Yeah. It's <laughs> Jacar Noir. <laughs> oh, Jacar Noir. Yeah. That was, Gross. I remember. Oh God. Uh, I had a guy on Island who, who wore that and I can still smell it. What if I go to a chess king? Okay, so I have a weird thing with smell. And I had a driver's ed teacher who wore jupe. And he was discussed. He also wore a spandex shirt. This is like 1994, 95. Spandex shirt. We lived I lived in Southern California in the San Fernando Valley. And he was like, let's drive to the beach. And I'm 15 years old. I'm just like, dude, we are not driving to the beach. But he wore jupe. And to this day, if I smell that cologne. In wow. an elevator on a street, I just literally want to vomit. I feel bad. I almost feel like if I ever went on a date with somebody and they showed up with it, it was just like they have no chance. They, I would, it's almost like it should be just written in one's profile. Wow. I get it. I get it. I can't help but wonder, what would it be like if pundits and social media personalities all came out with not their own fragrance, but the fragrance actually smelled like them? I mean, John, wouldn't you like to know... <laughs> 
you know, how many people would want to buy your smell? No, no. I, I mean, I guess, <laughs> but I, at the same time, I don't want to know what Chuck Todd smells like. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, they can meet me and see how I smell. It's uh, ruggedly masculine, yet fetchingly clean. <laughs> Glenn Beck just smells like ham. <laughs> I know John. He smells fantastic. My thank you, sugar. He's you, back you, at you. Oh, thank you. And Alice smells delicious. Just absolutely. She huffs. I do. I'm a huffer. Like I really, I don't huff glue. I don't huff paint. I huff people. Yep. I get that. I mean, uh, with consent. If someone's huffable, if someone's huffable, I'm right there with you. If someone smells great, it's nice to just sit there and have someone in your arms and just enjoy. All the senses. Their natural sense. Yeah. I mean, let your senses be a part of it. And, you know, look, good sex. I know it's a show about porn, but good sex is when all five senses are turned to 11. This is true. I mean, isn't the five senses thing oversimplified and there's a lot more than that? Well, sure, if you want sure. to get into the paranormal, but based on the you know the five that we've agreed on commonly, I think uh, good sex involves um, touch and sight and hearing and smell and taste. And I don't actually, I don't need any more senses than that involved. No. Those five keep me going. The ghost of my lover's grandmother, I generally like to have sex with them as well. Like that's something I, I, I like it. Well, and I like to have sex with telekinesis as well. So we have seven senses we can go in to. front of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Blasphemy is an eighth sense. So yeah. Oh yes. Well, there's actually there looks like to be seven senses. There's two others I'm not familiar with: vestibular and I'm going to so butcher this: proprioception. 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 I don't know what this is. I don't either. Oh, it's a sense of balance. Are you talking about vestibular? Is the sense of balance? Well, I've been then- having sex all wrong all this time. I get to start over, <laughs> reset. Never told to learn. I'm going to check the other one. I'm curious. What are the seven senses? Was one of them paranormal? Please tell me now. It's just the... I don't see any paranormal senses. Perception or awareness of uh, position or movement of the body. That's, yeah, as you mentioned, one of them. That's kind of and... almost makes me think of echolocation. <laughs> echolocating hotter hotter during sex. Here, my God. <laughs> Imagine if we were like bats having sex through echolocation, trying to find people in the dark. Echolocation is freaking amazing. There's people that are actually teaching it now to humans who are blind to go mountain biking. They mountain bike through echolocation and do all sorts of really physical, you know, endurance activities while wow. blind be- using echolocation. And when, as a child, though, I remember taking showers and like putting my face close to the wall and and kind of. And like being able to like just feel your distance, like feel the distance between things. Like even like if we want to get sexual with it, when you really like somebody, you can feel when you're an inch closer. You can feel when you move, like they move a little bit closer, even though you, you know, your space between you, you can just like, it's almost like atoms in the air to start, I don't know, having a small party, but I just, uh, that's something that I think is kind of fun. Electricity. I have a whole new fetish group to go join on Reddit now. Thank you. The echolocators or the... That's my band, but yeah. (laughs) It would be a good band name. I'll go see you guys play at the Troubadour. Yay. Oh, I did like when they talked about how... They called it Dantooine instead of Tatooine? Oh, did they? I feel like the movie called it Tatooine something different. No, well, Dantooine... Dantooine is the different... That's the diff- That's where the old rebel base was, and that's the false name Leia gives them. That's it. Okay, see, that's me messing up. Okay, cool. By the way, knowing that cost me two years off the front of my sex life. Just that, that <laughs> fact. But I- I'm curious, you know, it seems like if this was as successful as we feel it was, why they didn't put a sequel into pre-production right away. And I'm still mystified how no one at Disney knows that they're just playing the music in this film. I'm curious how original the music was, how close it has to be to the original content for them to get sued. I have no idea. I mean, the opening title music, it's a parody, but they play the Imperial March note for note. I was really impressed and shocked. And I've never really worried about George Lucas or Disney feeling disenfranchised with shit. Yeah. As if they don't have enough money to keep putting out in our Star Wars every year. (laughs) Jesus, it's insane. I have not watched like the past four just because I can't keep up. I think the only one I've missed is Solo. Really? They're all good. Are they? The last four that Disney's put out, they're all good. Um, and three of them are really good. Hmm. Which one did you not feel was great? Solo's good. It's not a bad film. Considering three people made it and it's that coherent, I think that's quite an achievement. There's a lot that could have been done to make it better. I do think it deserves a sequel. And Solo 2 was like trending a few months ago, which says to me that even though the film was considered a flop, it has really found a home on uh, Netflix where it's been for over a year. But Rogue One's an excellent film. 
The Last Jedi, I'm in the camp that really thought that was a, an excellent film. Not perfect, has problems, but so challenging. To me, The Last Jedi is challenging in the way that Empire Strikes Back was deeply challenging and upsetting to people in 1980. And uh, Episode Seven is terrific. I mean, I think that Disney so far has done pretty good with the franchise, which means I guess we'll be here next year talking about those parodies. Yeah, right. Get those in, into the works. I mean, Alice knows this better than I do. How often are, are new porn parodies being cranked out these days? Oh, gosh. Uh, so it depends uh, who you are in the industry. Yeah. So if you're Wood Rocket, for example, you're pumping out parodies every, I want to say, almost two, three weeks. So, for example, we had recently that whole Area 51 raid. Yes, yeah. Storm 51 or... They did come out with an Area 51 porn parody. Okay. But I feel like it's almost... They're coming out with so many. It's almost like, oh, there's a huge new box office release. And there's in conjunction a porn being released with it. So, for example, I love The Good Place. That's one of my favorite TV shows. Uh-huh. The same day the new season of The Good Place launched, we got The Goo Place. Oh, that's nice. Ah, well, now I think you can just make Solo and it just has to be a masturbation movie. There, I wrote the There script. you go. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely, it, it writes itself, really. I mean, it I is mean, kind of weird that they tried to make a film called Solo with two directors in the first place. But I mean, for a <laughs> masturbation series, it seems like a natural. I mean, at that point, you just have someone dressed as Han Solo and just masturbate throughout the entire film for the 60 minutes. The whole time. Just, there, yeah. just doesn't that. stop. Just the whole time. I just, I find that, I would watch that just like a fly on the wall. Just, I'm into it. Speaking of not stopping, did you know mm-hmm. there's 10 hours of Darth Vader breathing? Someone recorded and threw it up on YouTube. 10 wow. hours. Yeah. So if you've ever wanted background noise to sleep to. That's great to know. Actually, just to masturbate to, but that's, uh, well, geez, Louise. That just made me think of 2001 after a while with all the silent breathing and all that. But yeah. Oh, God. I'm personally partial to the MIDI they stole from an Angel Fire page that they played for the cantina scene. I'm going to be masturbating to that. That's not going to, yeah. It's going to be Alice's, uh, your soundtrack. Good times. If I call you and I hear that in the background, I'll know what you're up to. I'm redesigning the HTML code from the web, my webpage from the 1990s. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Choosing the perfect MIDI. Jesus. All right. We've gone as far as I think we can with this porn. I know. It's just... We've really milked it. We've made our own prequels at this point. We've, we've milked it so hard. Like Bantha milk? Yeah. We slurped it up it so hard. Uh, everyone's nipples hurt at this point. Mm, mm, ow, ow. Mm. So, John, where can our listeners find more of you? Oh, wow. Well, I'm on uh, all the socials and SiriusXM, uh, Insight Every Day, uh, John Fuglesang on Instagram or uh, Twitter, Facebook, johnfuglesang.com, and a comedy club near you. And you guys, by the way, can uh, hear more stuff that we have actually over at patreon.com slash two girls on mic. So those references I was alluding to before, we have them in previous episodes that are unreleased, including Pepper's episode that Natalia mentioned. So just hop on over to there. And for five bucks a month, you guys can listen to all of that back catalog. There's at least 17 episodes. But Natalia, where can our listeners find more of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Natalia13Reagan. Same with Instagram. I also have at Behold Natalia, where you can watch me make bad David Attenborough videos of me beholding just anything and everything. And uh, yeah, under a rock, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Find me. I, I have shows coming up. Oh, in November. Oh, gosh. How could I forget? November, I'm doing the George Lucas show on The Intrepid on oh, November wow. 13th. Yeah, I'll be a guest on The George Lucas Show. It's a UCB show. A dude plays George Lucas to a T. I'm going to be a scientist on the show talking about what would it be like going to different planets, uh, different Star Wars wow. planets. So, and how would the different, yeah, because I'm a scientist. I don't, I didn't talk about it on this episode, but I'll be talking about that. Yes. That's awesome. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Rational Blonde, or you guys can also catch us every week on this podcast. So tell your friends to subscribe, leave us a comment. Are you growling? Yeah, I was, I was just purring at you. Sorry. It's okay. Just random purr. Um, so guys, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Tell all your friends. Bye-bye. <laughs>